Hello there, I'm Pastor John. Thank you for joining us today. There are a lot of ways to engage here at Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene, but we truly do thank you for listening here. If you haven't heard, we're also on Spotify now with the same great content. For more information about our church, you can check us out on the web at abeaconofhope.org. That's abeaconofhope.org. Please be sure to follow us on Facebook. We're live each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. And you can find us on Instagram as well. Well, hey, I'm Adrian. And if I haven't gotten to meet you, I'm so glad you're here. And if I have gotten to meet you, still glad you're here too. So thanks for showing up on uh, this Sunday. So, hey, I often um, relate back to some childhood memories and experiences. Part of that is because I'm, I'm still a big kid, but part of it is because I'm still raising kids. And uh, maybe I'm the only one that remembers, but do you remember as a kid the choose-your-own-adventure storybooks? So I go to the library and kind of get a book, and these books were special in that there was not, you know, read page, 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 but uh, you began reading, and then it came to this decision in the story, and you got to decide, is the character going to do this, or are they going to do that? And based on what you decided, there's about eight different endings, and some people skipped ahead and read all the endings first. That says something about your personality, if that was you, but the, kind of the idea of the story was that you would choose your own adventure, choose your own way that the story was written. And I was thinking about that this week in terms of our series that we're finishing up today called The Pure Gospel. And here's what I believe is true for a lot of us, maybe in the world that we live in. We live in a world that really, instead of choose your own adventure, it's really kind of choose your own truth. In other words, it sounds something like this, like you kind of have your truth and you live your truth and I'll live my truth. And maybe, maybe we don't say it this way, but kind of inherently we believe that they all kind of will lead to the same ending. Your truth, and you do that, and I'll stay out of your business, and I'm going to do my thing, I'll live my truth. And we live in a a world where truth is so relative. In fact, uh, Lauren and I were talking about that this week with uh, social media and the world that we live in with just the internet, and there's just so much information everywhere. And like never before, we as individuals have platforms. You may not realize that, but you have a Facebook page or social media if you're, you're into that and you do that. And what that's given us is Thousands and millions of people now have a platform by which they can kind of share their truth. And that's what we do. We might listen to a talk or a sermon or a devotional, and sometimes we like to share that thought or that truth that rhymed or that was really impactful. And, we, and Lauren and I were talking about this week, we, we kind of struggle sometimes because we see even believers kind of put truth out there through their platforms, and as we're reading it, we're like, that's not even not even really true. I mean, it sounded good and it was like it rhymed and it had a cool graphic behind it, but like that's not even truth. And we just, we're living in a world where truth has never been harder to define. And it seems like more and more within the church, within the world, that the truth is becoming watered down and confusing. And so our purpose and our mission over these past couple weeks has been to help us as a church come alongside and redefine what it is that we mean when we talk about the gospel, the truth of God. And there's a lot of uh, ways that you've heard that word used, maybe within the church, but uh, specifically when we're talking about the gospel, uh, this is what we mean. We have it on the slide uh, here behind me. It says this, that the gospel is the good news message that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, that he was raised to life victorious over the power of death. And in choosing to live for him, 
We can be free from the power of sin. We can experience abundant life today and eternal life in heaven. This is what we believe is truth. This is truth. This isn't something we came up, we manufactured. We believe that this is truth. And as I began this series just a couple weeks ago talking about, we really need a direction. We need a true north by which we can guide our lives. Because if not, many of us are just kind of floundering. We're just kind of walking in circles and without real direction in our life and without really defining what is true and what is real, or letting the world around us define what is true and what is real. And so our purpose throughout the series has been for some of us to redefine, to refocus what is this gospel all about. And so in order to do that today and to help close our series, I'm going to invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 if you have your copy of Scripture. Uh, or, or if you're a version Bible user, we have an event set up there. You can turn now and pull that up. I'll have it on the screen behind me, but this is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to a church in Corinth uh, in a Greek city, a Greek culture, and he's trying to help them redefine the gospel, redefine the truth. What is the true north for your life? And so uh, we're going to begin reading here just the first two verses and then later on down the passage. Uh, But this is the Word of God for us today. And this is what Paul begins writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. There's that word. I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. I want to pause for a minute and reset. What is Paul saying about the gospel? And some ways, this is kind of review if you haven't been here to help us understand what is so critical, what is so important about this. First of all, Paul's saying a couple things. He's reminding us that the gospel is your gift. It's a gift. That's why it says, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, which you received. This is not a gospel that you invented. This is not a gospel that you created. This is not a truth that you came up with on your own. No, no, no. This is God's truth, His gift for you. We didn't discover it, but we receive it. We receive it. The gospel is the gift of God for us. And Paul's just reminding you, hey, I want to remind you of this gospel that I preached to you, which you received. It's a gift. Next, in that same verse, he reminds us that it's our foundation. The gospel which you received and on which you have taken your stand. This is our foundation. This is our solid rock. This is our firm, this is our footing. That in a world where truth seems like it's always shifting, where everything around us seems so fleeting and relative, and, but, but the gospel is your foundation. It's, it's what you take your stand on. Finally, Paul reminds us in verse 2 that this is your salvation. By this gospel, you were saved. And there is no other way by which you can be saved except through the gospel. That's what Paul's reminding us. And, and it's, the wording here is not a past tense, you were saved. It's a present tense. This is how you are being saved. Not just that the salvation that did happen, but it is continually happening in our hearts. How is this possible, Paul says, if we hold firm to the gospel? to the gospel. Now he's going to go on in verse 3 to help us define what, what is the gospel. He puts it really clearly, a great biblical definition. Verse 3, what I received I passed on to you of first importance, that Christ died for our sins 
according to the Scriptures. Verse 4, that He was buried, He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared. He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then all the apostles, and last of all, He appeared also to me, to one abnormally born. We began this series talking about the Gospel, and talking about, really, the Gospel begins with the life of Jesus, the life of Jesus, that Jesus is for us God's plan. From the beginning where sin entered into the picture, you and I had a problem that we could not solve and it was sin. And the only way, the only hope we had was Jesus. He was the plan of God from the beginning and Jesus is the example of God. He's the example of God. And that is why the life of Jesus is critical to the gospel. And last week, if you were here, we talked about the the death of Jesus. And that we were, if you weren't here, we talked about this analogy that literally we're over here. We're dead in our sin. We're guilty. We're powerless to do anything about it. And God is way over there. There's such a gap there. We were ungodly. We were not like him. We were enemies of God. And God is over here and he is just, but he is loving. And in his love, he sent Jesus to pay the price to justify us, that justice has been served on our behalf because of Jesus. And that's why the life of Jesus is so critical to the gospel, because he took our place. He paid the price that we should have paid. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. The death of Jesus is so important. And now, this week, we're going to look now at the resurrection of Jesus. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's trying to defend. He's trying to prove. He's trying to remind them that Jesus was raised to the dead. And he appeared to over 500 believers. And he's making a case for what the resurrection of Jesus really was. I wonder, we talk about it often on Easter. That's the day that we focus on resurrection. But I often think about what the resurrection of Jesus must have really looked like. I think this video gives us one glimpse. Watch with me. Peter! Peter! Everyone! The tomb is open. He's alive! That's not possible. I saw him! Mary, maybe it was someone else. You think I'm mad? Peter! See the tomb for yourself! Now, do you believe me? But he's gone. Gone? Now? He's back. He's back. It's the resurrection. It's Jesus. And Paul is making a case here because there's a group of believers in a Greek culture, in a Greek city of Corinth, that specifically kind of oppose this idea of resurrection. They, they might have been okay with the idea of Jesus. They might have been okay with the idea of preaching the cross. But they were adamantly opposed to the resurrection. They did not believe that was possible. Just like we talked about choose your own truth. They said, well, uh, that truth is fine, but I cannot believe that. And so Paul is making his case that the resurrection, that's why he lists all these witnesses that Jesus appeared to. And then skipping down to verse 12, 
Paul's going to talk about the importance of why the resurrection really matters. And I believe it mattered then, and I believe it matters now. And so uh, follow me now, verses 12 through 19, as we conclude this passage of 1 Corinthians 15. It says this, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? That was what was being preached the common day, that the resurrection isn't possible. Verse 13, if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. Verse 16, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. If it's just about this life, if it's just about living this life and then one day you're done and then that's it, Paul says, man, we deserve to be pitied. We are a people without hope. That's what it means to not believe in resurrection. And so maybe you're here today and the resurrection of Jesus is not something new to you, man. You've heard this before, but maybe you're here today and this is kind of a new idea. What is the resurrection of Jesus all about? All of you in the room are included, man. This is a great day to be here because I believe this morning, that the resurrection, the gospel that we proclaim, it it wasn't just relevant then. It didn't just matter then when Paul writes these words thousands of years ago. I believe there's powerful truth for us today. And so I want to share with you why I believe the resurrection of Jesus matters today. It mattered then and it matters today. First is this, that the resurrection of Jesus proved that truth is stronger than lies. Now, this sounds like a talk that I would give my kids around the table today as they're kind of, you know, like a fatherly advice. Listen, kids, why don't you write down these wise things as your father speaks to you? Truth is stronger than lies. And they they take their crayons and they start, you know, that sounds like what I'm saying to you. That's not it. (laughs) I, I like truth, but I'm not just talking about any truth today. I'm talking about the truth of God. I'm talking about truth from who God is, that the truth of God is stronger than lies because Jesus Jesus died on a cross, and the cross was not just a symbol. It actually represented the death of a criminal, that Jesus was sentenced to a criminal's death on a cross, and the Romans crucified for very specific reasons. It was a public humiliation, a public execution where everyone that would look on would see and would learn not to do what this person did. And so Jesus was killed as a criminal. The problem was Jesus didn't do anything wrong. He was accused of all kinds of things, of, of blasphemy, of healing on the Sabbath, of all that he claimed to be the Son of God. And so what they did is they heaped all kinds of lies upon him in order to convict him of a crime he did not commit. And so when Jesus died on the cross as a criminal, not guilty, he wasn't guilty, but he died as a criminal, uh, that if it just ended at the cross, lies would win. The truth would not win. Lies would win. (laughs) That if it just ended there. But in the resurrection, the truth of God 
prevailed. Do you understand that? That the truth of God prevailed because in the resurrection, Jesus was saying, man, God's truth wins in the end. And do you know today that the truth of God prevails? That's not just true then. That's not just true then. That's true today, that every day of your life, there will be a temptation to buy into the lie. Maybe I'm the only one that has kind of a, a chatterbox, you know, in my ear of all the, way, all the ways I fall short, all the ways I'm not good enough, all the ways I can't be the husband and father that I need to be, all the lies that every day I can be tempted to believe. But if I believe the gospel and I believe resurrection, then I believe the truth of God is stronger than any lie that I may believe in. And if we are people of the gospel, then that is our truth. The truth of God wins every time. That's good news. That's good news. That's what the gospel, it's good news for us. But more than that, the resurrection proves that good is stronger than evil. I'm not just talking about goodness like we love each other and we help each other and you scratch my back, I'll scratch. That's great, but I'm talking about the goodness of God. That the goodness of God is stronger than evil. You see, I actually believe, we actually believe that there's an enemy of your soul. That's what the Bible teaches. The devil, that he wants to destroy your life. Just as God wants to bless you and, and lead you and guide your life, there's an enemy that wants nothing more than destruction for your life. And he will make it his goal and his aim to try to do whatever he can. And sometimes, sometimes in the church, it's so easy to look at the world around us, which is growing increasingly dark. And it's really easy to get together in kind of these holy huddles and just talk about how bad it is and how dark it is and how hopeless it feels. And man, I understand that because I live in this world too. I, I get that. But the reality of the resurrection is we don't have to spend so much time focusing on how evil things are because we know that the goodness of our God is stronger than all of that. It's stronger because Jesus... When he was crucified, when he was crucified, the enemy of our souls, the demons in hell rejoiced. They thought they had won. They thought they had the victory. Evil in that day celebrated the death of Jesus and what they had done. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he triumphed over evil. And we can have a promise in the resurrection that good, the goodness of God, is stronger than any evil of this world. Any, no matter how dark it seems, the goodness of our God is greater. And this is the truth of the gospel. This is the truth of the resurrection that we believe in. It is stronger. It will have the final word. Next, the resurrection shows us that love is stronger than hate. The love of God. Perfect love. I'm not talking about the love I have for my wife. Man, I wish it was perfect. <laughs> Man, she does too, right? Because I'm, I'm going to be honest, like it's not. There are moments where I'm uh, in my humanness, it's not. But I'm talking today about the perfect love, the agape love of our God. That love is stronger than hate, and the resurrection proved that. The resurrection proved that the love of God is stronger than hate. Because in that moment, as Jesus was being crucified, the schemes of the devil, the hatred of men, the sin of all mankind being poured out on Jesus, all the hatred, all the bitterness, all the brokenness. And when Jesus rose again, he proved that the perfect love of Jesus overcomes all, that they can beat my body, <laughs> they can spit on me, they can mock me, but in the end, the love of my Father 
wins. Do you see that? Do you see the visual there that Jesus took on? He literally, he took on the hatred of men. He bore our sin. He bore our brokenness. And in the resurrection, we see that the love of God wins even over that. Finally, we see this is the best. I saved it for last. That in the resurrection life, the life of our God is stronger than death. We live in a world where death is the ultimate. It's the final word. It's, I mean, we, we can fear a lot of things, but many of us, death, that's it. That's the ultimate thing. It's what many of us can live our lives kind of in fear of. But in the resurrection, Jesus flipped the script. When he rose again, he became victorious even over death. It's like, it's like imagine, you know, Jesus is lining up all, all the enemies and all the bad things and all the hard things, and he's going to duke it out, and he lines up all these things, and at the end of the line, the biggest, the strongest, the ugliest, the smelliest is death. I mean, everything else is, you know, lying, cheating, addiction, brokenness, hatred. It's all here. It's all gross. But there at the end of the line is death, and it's the ugliest and stinkiest and smelliest. And Jesus looks them all down the line and says, yeah, I'll take that one. <laughs> and, and in that moment when he overcame death, everything else in the line is paying attention. Like, whoa, if he took down death, I'm out of here. Because, because listen, I know this is, I know we live in a world that's hard. I know it's challenging, but if Jesus overcame death, what is it in your life that he cannot overcome? What is it? What is it? And we have our excuses, and I get it. We live in fear, and we have, but, but many times without realizing it, what we're saying is, God, I know that you overcame death, but you can't overcome this in my life. Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive us because his life is stronger than death. That means that this life isn't all there is. That we don't imagine if this life is all there is, and this is we're just living for the temporary, the fleeting, the man, I've lived enough of this life to know, man, no thanks. <laughs> that there's a there's a it's fleeting. There's an emptiness in just pursuing the things of this world. But when Jesus rose again from the dead, when he proved that life is stronger than death, we know that this life is not all there is, and we know that there is victory in this life. There is victory in this life because Jesus overcame even death if there is no resurrection if there is no resurrection then there is no life there is no freedom there is no victory there is no hope and like paul says man we deserve to be pitied but that's why paul says that jesus rose from the dead that's why paul spends time outlining the hundreds of people that jesus appeared to that's why that's why if you go to the place where he was buried Jesus is no longer there because he did not stay dead. No, he rose again. And this is what we claim to believe when we say we believe the gospel. That we believe in resurrection power. So this morning, I want to close. I do this often, but I want to close with a question. Because ultimately, everything I'm sharing today is good. And, and I'm, I, I want to... I want to be the one that shares truth and I, I want to speak for God, but ultimately it comes down to your relationship with Jesus. I'm grateful for the church and I'm grateful to be a pastor, but you, you don't need me to be in relationship with God. You can speak to him on your own. That's the gospel. Jesus made a way. He reconciled you. You, you don't have to be far from God. You can be close to him. And so I ask you this question today because I, I want you to talk to God. I want you to be in relationship with him. 
And my first question for us is this, will you believe today in that which you don't fully understand? If you're waiting for the moment that you can fully understand, that you can explain in detail the full gospel, you're going to live a really, really hard existence. I mean, there's great truth, and there's, there's historical data, and, and there, are, there are eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection. I mean, this, this, this is based on truth, real truth. But there's a moment for each of us in this journey with the gospel that requires faith. I mean, we have firm foundation, but there's this moment where we have to be willing to step out in faith and say, okay, God, I'll believe. Man, man the resurrection, that's hard to understand. That's hard to explain, but I I believe the gospel that Jesus would come and stand in my, that's hard to believe, but, but I, I put my faith even when I can't fully understand it. For others, maybe the question that you want to ask today is this, does your life, does my life reflect victory over sin? Does my daily life reflect victory over sin? That's the gospel. We just said it. Because, of, because Jesus didn't stay in the grave, man, he rose again. Victory over death. There can be victory in your life today. We don't have to live this life just suffering and in pain and brokenness and sin is so strong and I'm so weak. Man, I know it's hard. I know it's a dark world. I know evil is all around. But we live and we can have victory today because of what Jesus did and he overcame. So because of that, we can too. Does your life reflect that? Your everyday, not just your Sunday morning life, your everyday life, does it reflect victory? Now, Adrian, I'm not, per- I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, are you experiencing victory? Can you look at places in your life and say, man, because of the resurrection power of Jesus, look what's happening. Are you? <laughs> I'm going to ask you today to just bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to pray for you. But what I really want you to do <laughs> I want you to pray. I want you to talk to God. This gospel, it's the gift that you received. It's your foundation. It's your salvation. But today, only you know how to answer the question. So the the band's going to begin to play. And we're going to continue this morning to worship, to praise, to sing, to celebrate. But this morning... Are you ready to take that step of faith? Even when you can't totally understand, even when you can't explain it all, you say, yeah, I'm I'm stepping out in faith. I'm placing my life on this gospel. Today, are you experiencing victory in your life? And if not, why? Maybe, like many of us, you're guilty of seeking truth in all kinds of places. You choose your own truth. And the gospel's good when it helps, but when I'm going through a hard times, I've got to do it on my own and my strength. And today, would you like to live according to the gospel? Would you like to live according to the power of the resurrection? This morning, what is your foundation? What is it today that your life is built upon? What is it today that you are standing on? with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I just want to pray for you. And I want to pray today for some in the room that want to choose today 
to place their foundation on the gospel. They want to put their faith, we're all putting our faith in something. A lot of us are putting our faith in ourselves. We're putting our faith in what we can do, on what we can achieve. But today, some of you here today say, I want to put my faith in this gospel, in the good news, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, oh, the resurrection of Jesus. That's what I want to build my life on today. And if that's you, I'm going to pray, but before I do, I just want to give you the opportunity to stand to your feet. Because what we're doing when we stand is we're saying, I'm standing today on the gospel. I'm standing today on your foundation for my life. I'm not standing today on my feelings. I'm not standing today on my emotions. I'm not standing today on my bank account. I'm not standing today on the prospects of my future. Today, I'm choosing to stand on your truth, on your gospel, on your freedom for my life. And if that's you today, and you want to do that right now, would you just stand to your feet? It's just a testimony. It's just saying, God, I'm standing today. I'm standing on your truth. I'm standing on your promises. I'm sta- you are my foundation today, Lord. Forgive me when I seek for other places to be my truth. You today, Lord, are my true north. Thank you for the gospel. Jesus, I pray today. I pray for lives today that are choosing. For, for men and women today that are choosing, for students and young people today that are choosing to place our foundation on the gospel, Lord. Forgive us when we've made it about us. Forgive us when we've made it about the truth that feels good in the moment, Lord. We want your truth to be our reality. We want your gospel to be our reality. We want your resurrection to be our reality, Lord. And so we choose today not to stand on our own strength, No, no, no. We stand today on your foundation, the gospel, the gospel. Would everyone stand? If you're not standing in the room, would you stand? Jesus, we thank you today for resurrection power. We thank you today that we're not in this alone. No, no, no. Jesus came and he stood in our place and he died the death that we deserve, but then he rose again and he gave us victory, Lord, victory for today, victory for our future. And today, Lord, we thank you for resurrection power. We love you and we bless your name. Thanks again for listening here today. If you enjoyed it and want to engage more, you can subscribe to this podcast through our website, abeaconofhope.org. That's abeaconofhope.org. Or if you're a Spotify user like me, you can search for us there and subscribe directly there as well. If you happen to be anywhere in the Shenandoah Valley here in Virginia, we'd love for you to join us at 1871 Boyers Road, Rockingham, Virginia. We meet each Sunday morning at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and then again at 11.45 a.m. in Spanish. Celebrate Recovery also meets here each and every Monday night at 6 p.m. Thanks again, and we look forward to meeting you soon.